What is my role when it comes from going from just talking to an actual Christ-centered relationship that leads to marriage? This question comes in from Kigala, and I would love to answer it for you today because it is so important that we take responsibility for our relationships and where they're headed. So often we get caught up in just letting them unfold by default and then wondering why they didn't really go the way we had hoped. And the primary thing behind all of this is we're afraid to make an offer and have that offer rejected. So we're going to talk about it today. This is part of the Summer Shorty series and I can't wait to get started. So let's go. ladies and welcome to the Forever Love Podcast. I am your host and Christ-centered relationship coach, Lily Matangwiza. Now, before we get started and talk all about how to move the conversation forward when it comes to pursuing that relationship and honoring your God-given desire for love and marriage, I want to ask you a quick question. Go ahead and open up your phone and look in your settings or wherever the data about how much time you spend on your phone is stored. If I go in, I find out that I've been on my phone on average about six hours a day and uh, one hour and 45 minutes of that was spent on Facebook. That's that's embarrassing to admit, but it's the truth. I was on there. And do you think I was doing anything productive? No, I was scrolling. I was scrolling, scrolling through reels and as amusing and awesome as they are. And I do gain little bits of insight here and there and I find them amusing and I'm entertained. But if I'm being honest, that's not how I want to spend my time, at least not that much of my time. Because when you add that up, let's say you're on your phone and you're spending two hours a day on these digital distractions, whether it's social media or game apps or Netflix, whatever it might be, whatever your thing is, that's the equivalent of a part-time job. And it is not giving me the return on investment that I want from something I'm committing that much time to. And so that's really why I created the 31 day challenge. It's because we have, as a society, really gotten attached to our digital distractions. And in order to meet somebody in real life, It's important that we break up with our digital distractions and stop letting our lives be dictated to them without any conscious recognition of what we're doing. And so the 31 day challenge is my way of helping you become very intentional. We're going to detox from the digital devices, your phone, and it doesn't mean you have to like lock away your phone for 31 days, but we're going to take the apps that distract you off the phone. We're going to be intentional about communicating that this is what you're up to for the month and really committing to showing up for your life and using all that time you're saving. Because literally, if you're spending an easy two hours a day distracted by your phone, you get to reclaim so much time. And then you can use that time 
for the things that you really want to do with your life, especially this summer. This is the first summer where we're really out of lockdown, where everybody is out and about, and it is a beautiful time to be out in the world, show up for love, be very present with yourself and others because we are all craving and really needing that real connection, looking people in the eye, smiling, being present, listening to them, actively being participating in the connection and the relationship. And I want to help you make sure you're really getting out there and doing it, not just thinking about it, not just idolizing the idea of it, but practicing it on a daily basis. That's why I created the challenge so that every morning you are setting yourself up for success. I've created these mini lessons. You're going to take five to 10 minutes to listen to an audio lesson and you can do this on the go. It's really simple, but then I give you very actionable steps to go and complete. I send you out with like easy to do little mini challenges that are going to get you participating in your own life in a way that is intentional, that feels amazing, that you feel really satisfied and good about. And we're going to go and cover so many like little things over the course of 31 days. We talk about your relationship with your device, your relationship with other people. We talk about all the voices in your head and what to do about them. It's a really powerful and creative time to explore what's going on in your mind so that you can practice adopting the mind of Christ, being really intentional about cultivating the thoughts and emotions that are going to serve you so that you stop living your life by default and you learn to appreciate and use your tool as a tool like your phone your the internet all the things they're tools they're just neutral but many times they're having a negative effect on us because we are not managing the way we utilize them so I want to help you take back the control Use your stuff in a way that serves you and show up for the relationships that you want to have. It's a great opportunity. All you need to do is head over to Proverbs2426.com slash 31 day challenge. And you're going to be able to sign up for the next challenge. We get started on July 1st, and we do this all year round on every month that has 31 days in it. So you're always welcome to come back. Once you've signed up for the first one, you have access every time we do a 31-day challenge. You're welcome to come join us again, put it all into practice again, because there's so much learning to be done, and it's a beautiful habit to create for yourself. So I hope you'll join us. Now, let's go back to that question we started with. What is my role when it comes from going to from just talking to being in a Christ-centered relationship that leads to marriage? Now, the first thing I love about this question is there's this desire to start taking back the responsibility for moving that relationship forward. And this is something we have a real tendency to abdicate. We abdicate our responsibility to the guy and to life in general and whatever circumstances happen to come our way. And that's really not necessary at all because you have a beautiful offer that you want to make. You want to offer to love somebody. And that is an offer worth honoring. First, in yourself, being intentional about Really crafting that offer, thinking about like, what what is it that I want to give this person? And not 
and this is important. Sometimes we we address the the situation from like, I wonder what he wants from me. What does he want that I can give him? But I want you to flip it and really consider what do I want to give to him? What do I want to offer him? And when we do that, we're being very clear and intentional about first what we have, the value that we bring to the table, and then we have this hard thing that we need to do of actually articulating it and the real possibility that your offer will be rejected. And this is where it's really important to differentiate between who you are as a child of God, a godly woman, and your offer. Those things are separate and distinct because what happens is we offer our love to somebody else, they reject it, and we take it really personally. They have rejected us. We take it as a personal rejection rather than a rejection of our offer. I saw a really good example of this come up with one of my clients. She is, she's had a crush on a guy she's known for a really, really long time. And she put her offer out there. She wrote the letter. She let him know she would love to be in a relation, a romantic relationship with this person. And crazy guy that he is, decided he would prefer to be single. He doesn't want to date anybody. He doesn't want to marry anybody. And at first, that was a hard blow. It felt really, really bad. And it took a long time to really work through the thoughts of like, he doesn't want to be with me, which felt true. And really, uh, honored the truth that sets us free of he doesn't want to be with anybody. And so once she had that offer rejected, she also got to go back and review like, oh, he's not rejecting me as a friend. He's not rejecting me as a person. He's just rejecting my offer for a romantic relationship. And understanding that gave her this space and freedom to accept his offer of friendship. He genuinely wanted to remain and be friends without that romantic connection. It also opened up the door for her to be able to ask him to possibly introduce her to friends of his because that seems to be something he has done for a lot of people in the past of being that person who connects one person to another. He's a bit of a matchmaker. And so once that all kind of came to light, she got to really enjoy his offer, but she couldn't do that without first articulating hers, allowing it to be out there and to be rejected, and then allowing herself to heal from that. You will need to heal from it if your offer is rejected. But I want to give you a few more um, tips that are going to help make this a little bit easier. Because when we're dealing with fear... And this is what this really is. I'm, I'm scared about my offer being rejected. One of the things we have to lean into is vulnerability and curiosity. That's scary, right? Like, nah, nobody wants to be vulnerable. But when we um, pursue curiosity, and I just want to remind everybody, because I know as Christians, we've been conditioned to believe that curiosity killed the cat and it's Eve who messed up everything with her curiosity. But curiosity is not a sin. 
The desire to understand and to learn and to acquire new information and to seek the truth is not a sin. We are called to be curious by nature. We are very curious creatures. And there's nothing wrong with paying attention to that and seeking the truth and knocking (laughs) and letting the door be answered and and finding out, you know, what we want to know. So as godly women... Let's collectively try to get over our fear of being judged as too masculine or unfeminine or ungodly or whatever your fear is that like, oh, if I say what I'm thinking, people are going to think. First, answer that question. Like, what do I think people are going to think? It's really important to be mindful of what's going on in our brains because our minds tend to have a mind of their own and they can get quite carried away with their fears and ideas of what we think will happen. And until we actually articulate it to ourselves or to somebody else, they go completely under the radar and they can be there like sabotaging a whole lot of stuff if we're not aware of what they're up to. So I just want you to like try to create some awareness around what are you afraid will happen. Go to the worst case scenario. Like what's the worst that's going to happen? Take a page in your journal and write about it. Like the worst thing that could possibly happen here is write it down. And if that happened, what could I do to solve for it? How would I prayerfully work through that situation if the worst happened. And then we also want to balance it out with like, what's the best case scenario? And I love asking these in my coaching sessions because people are so good at articulating the worst case scenario. Like they can give me all the details. They have rehearsed it. They have practiced all the conversations. They have like their entire plan of it's just going to go down like this. And then I'm going to react like this. And then I'm going to feel like that. And then I'm going to do this thing. And it's going to all be like that. It's all there in their mind. And then I ask them to tell me about the best case scenario. And Usually it's something like, oh, well, then he'd be like, oh, that's nice. Thank you. I love you, too. And that's it. Like, there's nothing else. They have not allowed themselves to creatively daydream or use their imagination in a positive way. So it's really helpful for us to be intentional about, like, The same amount of detail that you can ascribe to the negative, try creating the same level of detail in the positive. And I mean best case scenario, because the reality is neither of those is likely to happen. It's not likely that your worst case scenario is going to actually happen. It's also not very likely that your best case scenario is going to happen. It's going to be something in the middle. But when we can explore both extremes, recognize that we completely made that up in our heads, and this is why it's so important to add all the details to the best case scenario, because otherwise, like we know that the best case scenario isn't likely to happen. We don't even plan for that because we're like, what are the chances he's going to be like, oh my gosh, I was waiting for you to say that. I've loved you so long and now they're like, We just we just don't let our brains go there, but we let our brains go crazy with the worst case scenario. You see what I'm saying? So just having that like awareness of both sides is really important. And then we want to be 
willing to have the conversation. And I know it's going to be hard because you're going to have to be really vulnerable. And we have a tendency to shy away from those kinds of conversations. But here are a few quick tips that are going to help make that conversation a little easier. First of all, we need to lean in to the vulnerability and that curiosity is really going to help us. So on top of creating and offering our offer, we also want to lean into curiosity. What questions do you have for him? What do you want to know? What do you want him to say? And How can you articulate those things in a way that is genuine and true for you? The second is to be really generous with your interpretations. When we're scared, we're naturally really defensive and it's easy to, um, like all of our triggers are super sensitive when we're scared and vulnerable. So we want to be aware of that and we want to be very present with ourselves and then we can give ourselves space to really offer the best possible interpretation of like what he might be meaning when he says that because it's really easy to be like oh I knew you were gonna say whatever and we're not really listening what we're really listening for is our worst evidence of the worst case scenario coming true and so we don't hear what they're actually saying So really taking a step back, hearing what he's saying, and then I want you to do this last one. This is super important. When he's done talking, I want you to say to him something along the lines of, okay, so what I'm hearing is, and then I want you to repeat back to him what you think he said. And then I want you to ask this question. What am I getting right? And what am I getting wrong? And let him really clarify. This is such a helpful tip for any difficult conversations, but especially around ones where you're trying to create an intentional relationship. Because Christ-centered relationships, I've said it before and I'll say it again, they do not happen by default. It is not an accident. It's not something you just like step into. It's something you co-create with Christ. So it has to be intentional. And having those conversations means having and asking lots of questions, really listening to the replies and the answers that you're getting, and then asking any questions that he might have as well. And when you do this, it's going to feel really intense. It's going to be scary. And again, the antidote is curiosity. But you know what? The truth will set you free. You might not like what you hear, and that's okay, but it will set you free to either let go of that relationship and pursue that God-given desire for a Christ-centered relationship with someone else, or it'll give you the go-ahead to move forward with this relationship with the person you already like. That is it for today. Thank you so much for being here. I cannot wait until next week. We got another amazing uh, quick summer shorty episode coming up that I can't wait to share with you. Make sure if you're not already subscribed to the podcast that you do so right away so you don't miss next week's question, which is coming in from Angie. She says, I'm happy in my singlehood and have a desire for a Christ following man. I've been divorced for six years from a toxic marriage. I still have fears of finding the right man for me that's on the same spiritual path as me. How do I overcome these fears? 
Angie? It's a great question. I can't wait to dive into it. Make sure you are subscribed. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with somebody you know and love. I want to reach the world with this message that it is okay for women to honor and pursue their God-given desire for a Christ-centered marriage, but I can't do that without your help. So please, if you could share this podcast where you know other people will find it and let's spread this message of love and hope to as many people as possible. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I can't wait to chat with you again next week. Until then, God bless you.